Welcome to Igris Moshe A to Z. I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, and this week we're going to look at three vote relating to G, gender. The first tshuva we're going to look at for this episode, we're actually going to look at three tshuvot on the topic of beged ish and beged isha, of wearing the clothing of the other sex or of the other gender. And Rav Moshe has three tshuvot, that two from the uh, roughly the same time, 1954, and the other from 1960, and then a the third 20 years later from 1980. And to some degree, these are technical discussions of exactly what falls into those parameters of the prohibition of a man wearing a woman's clothes, a woman wearing a man's clothes. But interesting ideas emerge from this in terms of his attitude towards gendered clothing. So we start with the tshuva from Yerdea 182 from July 1954. And here's the topic. Can a man take oral medication that will return his white hair to their original color. If you have that medication, then you can be a very wealthy person. Uh, no such medication exists, but apparently they thought it did at the time that this tshuva was being written. So here's the question. He writes it to Malod Kvod Yididi, Harav Hagona Mufursam, a major Rebbe, a Hasidish Rebbe, Yecheskel Shraga Halberstein Ha'admur from Tziashinu, a major Hasidic Rebbe, and the question is whether it is permitted to take these pills. Regarding this medication that doctors have now invented that if you take it, it will return their hairs to the original color. And you wanted to say, That's prohibited because it's a, like a man wearing women's clothing. Like it is prohibited to dye one's hair, for a man to dye his hair, as it's says in Shulchan Aruch Yerdea, Simon 182. And then he says, Yafehore, that is a good psak. And now Rav Moshe is going to spend the rest of the time saying why he agrees with the psak, but for a different reason. A moment of explanation is in place because most people will hear this and say, wait a minute, that's not a woman's clothing. Dyeing your hair, there's no clothing involved. And the Gemara actually says this explicitly, that even though it is not about wearing clothing, and the verse is, Lo Yilbash Gever Simlat Isha, the clothing of a woman. Nevertheless, this prohibition includes within it presenting oneself and a type of way of, of presenting one's body in the fashion that is normal for the other sex, for the other gender. Specifically, what the Gemara mentions two things. One is a man dyeing his hair that was seen as something that only women would do to dye their hair to, back to the original color. And the second is looking in the mirror in order to make sure that you look nice and in order. And actually, in the second shiva we're going to see, Rav Moshe will look at the, we'll discuss the issue of looking in a mirror. Given that the Gemara says that this is prohibited, the question is, what about taking a pill to achieve this same effect? So rather than answer this question in terms of, is taking a pill a direct act, an indirect act, and so on, Rav Moshe deals with it in a more lumdus, like conceptual approach. And he opens up the question about whether the prohibition of Beged Ish or Beged Isha, even if it extends beyond clothing, is that about the act of how one dresses oneself or what one does to one's body, the act of preparing one's body to appear in a particular way? Or is it about the result, going around, being dressed in women's clothing, being dressed in man's clothing, uh, presenting oneself, you know, in ways that the other gender would present themselves? So that's his conceptual question. And he says that this question depends on it. Because if we focus on the process, then he says, 
there is nothing about the process of taking a pill that is a feminine act. You know, then the problem would be women put on dresses and men don't put on dresses. So putting on a dress, the act of putting on a dress is seen as a female way of getting dressed. So Rav Moshe says, okay, but there's no female way of taking pills. Whatever the point of the pill is, that's not a feminine type of an act. And regardless, he says, you know, it hasn't yet become a thing for women to take these pills. Anyway, the basic point is it's not a feminine act. This is in contrast to if the focus was on the end result, because then the concern would be, are you presenting yourself in a way, you as a man, in, in the way that women present themselves? And if the Gemara says that what is prohibited is dyeing one's hair, that means women present themselves with hair that is being restored to its original color or that looks like it looked when they were younger, um, even though its natural color is otherwise. And Rav Moshe says, so the same would be true about taking a pill. It wasn't matter if you die or if you take a pill, the end result is the same. So in the way we would say this in yeshivish language is, is this about the uh, the tahalich or the totza'ah? Is it about the process, the act, the maaseh, or is it about the end result? So Rav Moshe says the logic is that it's about the end result. It's not about the act of getting dressed. It's how you appear after you've gotten dressed or whatever you've done to your body. And he, then he goes on to say the evidence seems to support this as well. In particular, the Gemara says that plucking one's hair is also the problem, plucking out for a man, to pluck out white hairs, because again, that's something that women do. And Rav Moshe argues that women usually don't pluck out their hair. If they have a white hair, they'll dye it. They don't want to have less hair on their head. Um, so the act of plucking is not a act that women do, but again, making one's head appear, head of hair appear to all be its original color, um, that is what is a, what was historically um, something that was specifically a women's way of appearing and therefore would be a problem. I want to pause here for a moment to also say that what's absent in this tshuva is what all the poskim say on Shulchan Aruch when this halacha is presented. Already in the Ramah and also in the Shulchan Aruch in a later Seif, they say explicitly that it all depends on the societal context, that things that used to be women's clothing, if society changes and they're now men's clothing, is not a problem. And the same would be true about dyeing the hair. If that used to be something only women did, and now it's something that men did as well, or plucking out hairs, that wouldn't be a problem. Them, or looking in a mirror, as we're going to discuss in a few minutes. The thing that's important to know is that so much of this is not really relevant for a different reason, that this is no longer in our society something that is uniquely something that women do or uniquely something that men do. But Rav Moshe is not addressing that at all. He's assuming all of those norms are the same. Maybe in his time they still were. Um, and he is saying that if therefore it fo we focus on the end result, which all the evidence points to, it would be a problem to take a pill. And he then concludes and he says, Since the problem is how one appears, however this is done, even if it's not done in a way that women get themselves dressed or prepare their appearance, then it's forbidden to take it even orally. And then he goes on for another discussion about whether um, is taking medication seen as a way of directly acting on the body or an indirectly way of acting on the body, which has relevance for other types of questions. But he says it really doesn't matter here whether it's direct or indirect if the focus is on the end result. So in this Tshuva, Rav Moshe rules that you can't take a pill, which would, did not have much practical ramification because no such pill exists, um, whatever claims were being made at the time, and that the issue of wearing the clothes of 
another gender or appearing as another gender is not about the act of getting one's body ready, you know, progressing oneself, but it is actually how one actually appears. Now, in a later tshuva, four years later, he was challenged on this point because of the halacha that in a societal context in which only women uh, look in the mirror to fix their appearance, it is forbidden to a for a man to look in the mirror. And uh, the point made was this doesn't affect uh, this is not a question of how one is appearing out in the public to others. This is just the act of looking in a mirror. And this was how Rav Moshe was challenged. So this is in your day at 261. And again, fascinating because so much of this is theoretical. It's not like an urgent practical question. And he says, Malod kvod yididi harav hagon Moshe tzvi arye bik. I was so happy that you paid so much attention to what I wrote and you wrote me all of your wrote all of your feedback and you had a critique of me of my position what you said it was more about the process than about the end result because of the issue of the mirror but you know what to me it appears correct still what I originally wrote it's about the end result, it is not about the process. So what to do about, therefore, the fact that, according to the Gemara, in certain societal contexts, it's forbidden for a man to look in a mirror to check his appearance. So he says the following. He says, that also affects the end result. Now, you might think he's going to say it affects the end result because you get your clothes in order, but then it's not about looking in the mirror, per se, and it would only be a problem if after you looked in the mirror, you made sure that every hair was in place. So Rav Moshe says, even without doing any adjustment, there is an effect on the end result by, le- pros- by looking in the mirror. How is this possible? So here's what he says. To look in a mirror is a idea, concept of the importance and the adorning that one does to one's body. That women like take pride. You spend so much time in front of a mirror. Oh, you look amazing. You must have spent hours in front of a mirror. Looking in the mirror. Now you would still say that's about process. You're checking, you know, every hair and how do you, how does your, is your lipstick on properly? Are your clothes exactly in place? Or Moshe says there is a societal impact, even if today you didn't have to adjust anything, if you look in a mirror before going out, then people know this is a person who looks in the mirror before going out. And they they begin to see you in that through that way, and it affects even how you present yourself in society, even if today it didn't actually lead to you changing anything about your appearance. So this is a very uh, ingenious way of sort of saying that, you know, this really does think seem to be about the process, but if Moshe says, you know, sometimes it's not about the clothes that we wear or how our hair appears. It's sort of like how we're thinking about ourselves and presenting ourselves, and a person who spends time checking in the mirror presents themselves to the larger world and is seen by the larger world in a certain way, regardless of whether today or not any adjustments were necessary. Um, so, and he says explicitly, even though there's no result in how you're actually fixing something. This is actually how you present yourself. 
and therefore it's forbidden for women, men to do this. Again, completely absent is the point that nowadays men look in a, in a mirror for, to check their appearance as well. Maybe that wasn't so much the case in Rav Moshe's time, but he's not really so interested in the practical. This is more a theoretical discussion, so he's not actually even speaking about practically can a man look in a mirror. Now, uh, you know, in a way almost, you, you, you sort of get his point about how sometimes people, you know, look, and there is even a term for this nowadays, about men that are so careful about their appearance in a way that usually is normally associated with women and goes out of the normal sort of way in which men present themselves. I think the term is metrosexual. You know, somebody who spends so much time in front of a mirror and buying clothes, and it's like, you know, the fact that we need a term to describe a man like that shows that it's a type of a way of appearing that is not normal for men. Now, of course, issues about, you know, how the clothes that one wear and one appearing as a man and appearing as a woman and are is one actually wearing those types of clothing, presenting oneself in particular ways, even if the overall appearance isn't like the other gender. All of this very much intersects with contemporary questions about transgender individuals. And that is completely absent from any consideration here within Rav Moshe. Um, in passing, he mentions that there might be a separate problem of completely appearing like the other gender. So a man looks like a woman, a woman looks like a man, um, even if it's not about a particular item of clothing. But again, he is so far from dealing with the issue of transsexual, which is a very important issue, uh, but not being addressed here. Here, it's the question of gendered clothing, and that in this tshuva we see isn't even about the clothes, um, but can be about the preparation that one does affects even how one appears in the larger society. Now, in another tshuva, um, 20 years later, he deals with the flip, not the case of beged, um, of beged isha for a man, but of beged ish for a woman. And this tshuva is in Orchayim 475, section 3, and it's from May 1980. And here's the case. Can a woman bear arms? Can a woman you know, like, be a pack heat? <laughs> so he says the following. And there's a very nice uh, Zionist-Israel connection here. In Gush Etzion, in that uh, Yishuv, another Yishuvim, and they're very close to Arab population. Interesting, Rav Moshe says, there are many of them who are anti-Semites and murderers. He doesn't say all of them, many. That every Jew, when they go on, when they travel out of their yeshuv, they have to carry, uh, you know, have, uh, be armed. According to the Gemara in Nazir 59, it says that the Gemara learns from the verse, a man's uh, clothing should not be on a woman. So Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov says explicitly this means that a, a woman should not wear weapons at as if they were going to war. Um, so it's explicitly mentioned in the Gemara as being forbidden. Now, a fascinating thing that Rav Moshe does not address, which I would have uh, liked to see, especially because as we're going to see in a minute, he's going to distinguish between what it means to be uh, bearing weapons and what it means to be dressed in a different type of clothing, is the fact that when the verse talks about a man not wearing a woman's clothing, it says, lo yilbash gever simlat isha. The verb is yilbash, to dress. 
and the object is simlat, is like a garment. Uh, whereas in the flip, it says, lo yihei gever alisha, that a woman should not have, not should not wear, should not have, kleigever, not a simla, not a beged, not a garment, but the implements of a man. So almost exactly fits the case of wearing a weapon. If you see weapon being a very masculine type of a thing, weapons and something that men wear, so, or have on them, so it's not necessarily wearing and it's not necessarily clothing, but it is a kleigever al-isha, so interestingly, Rav Moshe does not frame, th- frame things that way. Uh, to me, that's very suggestive. But of course, we'll remember men are also not limited to women's clothing. It's also other sort of ways of appearing. Um, anyway, so this is the question. It's explicit in the Gemara that it is forbidden. Is there a way to permit it? Now, of course, Rav Moshe says, if it's pikuach nefesh, of course it could be permitted. But he says, is it really pikuach nefesh? Why not? He just said, you know, that we're dangerous enemies that surround, surround um, them. So he said, because, well, maybe a woman doesn't have to travel out of the yeshuv. Or maybe whenever she goes out of the yeshuv, she should always go with a man who's, uh, where, who's the one who is packing heat. Um, so it's not a real pikuach nefesh for a woman to do it, although Rav Moshe acknowledges that it's better that everybody is armed. He wants to explore this as a theoretical. We're going to see what he'll come back to, the issue of pikuach nefesh, which would seem the most obvious. He will come back to that, but he wants to explore this as a theoretical. And he says the person who asked him the question thought that maybe here's an approach to permit it. He says like this, that the Shach and the Taz say that you can wear the clothing of the other gender if you're not doing it as a uh, for the purpose of wearing the clothing, but for another purpose. So, for example, if it's raining outside and the only available raincoat is a women's raincoat and I'm putting it on so I don't get wet, you know, um, that is actually not a problem. That's wearing something because of the rain, because of the sun, not because of I want to appear this way in public. And therefore, the one who asked the question thought this would be a reason to permit it. You're not wearing this to appear like a man. You're wearing this for self-protection. So if Moshe says, actually, I do not think that that is correct. Why? Because he says the following. He says that's true when it comes to the issue of the kashet, how one takes care of one's appearance. But the extension of this prohibition about wearing uh, weapons and having weapons on one's person, he says, It's not about appearing in an attractive way and being concerned with one's appearance. It's a separate prohibition. It's not the prohibition of don't appear as a man, but there's a separate prohibition, not about how one appears, but about wearing arms, which are seen as a as a masculine type of a uh, um, of a thing, something that projects power and masculinity and so on. Therefore, he says, if you're doing it for the purpose of wearing arms, that's not going to save you here. What's you know, if things that are forbidden because of appearance, if you're not wearing them for appearance, are okay. But things that are forbidden because this is a masculine thing to be have on you, and it's not about appearance, but more I guess about projecting a sense of masculinity, um, but not a concern with how one appears, that, Rav Moshe says, doesn't become better because you're wearing it for that purpose. Actually, the Gemara explicitly says, you should not wear Kli Zion Limilchama for the purpose of war. He says, here's the, ironically, the one thing that will help you. You know what will help you? Is if you wear ornamental weapons. 
If you were to wear an ornamental weapon that would be worn because of it looks nice and its appearance, so if a woman would get herself a gun <laughs> that really made her say, you know, look nice and more beautiful and so on, it was ornamental, it had jewels on it or something of that nature, then it would be okay because then it's consistent with the way a woman wants to appear and it's not the pro problem of wearing a gun for the sake of serving as a weapon. But this prohibition is when a gun is supposed to serve as a weapon, that is seen as a very masculine thing, and it is not a question of appearance, it's a question of, uh, of what one is projecting. Now, Rav Moshe, interestingly, discusses the famous Gemara in Shabbat about a debate of Rabbi Eliezer and the Chachamim, if a person can wear weapons on Shabbat when there's no Eruv. And Rabbi Eliezer says that this is noy hulo, this is beauty, and the Chachamim say, no, it's not beauty, war, you know, violence, that's not a beautiful thing. And Rav Moshe says, the beauty here is not that it looks nice. It's not that the weapon looks nice on you. It's that the man wearing weapons, which are a symbol of power and virility and masculinity, he doesn't use exactly those words, but anyway, he says, that is something you want to project in society, and it's not about its aesthetic appearance. And therefore, he says, that's Rabbi Eliezer's position, and why Rabbi Eliezer agrees that in messianic times, when there won't be any war, there won't be any purpose for the valuing of physical force and power, and men won't have a need to project this anymore. But in this society, Rabbi Eliezer says, projecting this is important, and Rav Moshe says, you see, this issue is not about aesthetic appearance, it's about projecting the sense of masculinity. So, what, therefore, is the story about women wearing weapons um, in Gush Etzion? So he says the following, Wearing a revolver is not an issue of aesthetic appearance. That ain't no that's not a basis to be lenient. It's a reason to be strict because it's not about aesthetic appearance. That's exactly the nature of the prohibition. And again, I wish you would have said that the framing of the verb and the noun are even different in the verse would have worked very well. But here's reason number one to be lenient. That in armies they don't use they don't use small weapons. You know they use machine guns. They don't use uh, revolvers or pistols. That maybe is a reason. You know a personal weapon for protection. Maybe that's not so much of projecting this masculinity. And again the Gemara says clay neshek to go to war. So he says you know what maybe a pistol is not doesn't fall in it because it's small arms. And then he says. The real permission is because it's pikuach nefesh. If the if you're close to Arabs who are murderous and they're not afraid of you know the fact that Israel has sovereignty over this area and they'll go ahead and they'll do their acts of violence regardless. Like we see every day, women are allowed to bear arms. Not just to save themselves, you know, pikuach nefesh of actually getting killed. Because even in, even just to save oneself from, you know, minor injuries. I don't know how you could imagine that you need to protect yourself from minor injuries and not from actually being killed if they're attacking you. But anyway, He says, and there's no distinction between men and women. We shouldn't say that only men should bear arms. Every, you have to take what is better for self-protection. And obviously, for self-protection, it is important that women um, be armed as well as men, and we don't, they don't only rely on men. Now, why is it okay if it's not real pikuach nefesh? Because 
women should be wearing arms to protect themselves. And since they should be bearing arms to protect themselves, and that would be natural in this context, it is no longer an issue of a begadish. It is now the type of things that both men and women wear for self-protection in this context, and it is now not about projecting masculinity. And the thing that emerges is that even though it seems that maybe it wasn't yet that women were bearing arms, of course, in the Israeli army they were, but maybe in the Dati communities they weren't yet. Nevertheless, because Rav Moshe is saying, because it's necessary and important for self-protection, that that creates a context almost that doesn't even yet exist in society, that it should be natural for women, it, women should wear it, and therefore it is not something about a masculine type of a garb to have on your body. And then he says, All wearing of arms should be considered normal for both men and women, even if women have not yet begun to bear arms, let's say in the Dati community, okay, he says, nevertheless, women should be bearing arms. So this is fascinating because we always know societal context sort of frames these issues. And fascinating, Rav Moshe has not discussed societal context almost once in all of these two vote. But sort of here he's sort of saying what halacha demands to be wearing arms for self-protection, that makes it that now the context is that this is something that both men and women do wear or at least should wear and therefore it's no longer an issue of kligever. And then he says, and of course, that this is also, of course, Pikuach Nefesh, and you really don't need this whole discussion anyway, but it was a fun discussion. So in these three to vote, we, th- we see um, that Rav Moshe, first of all, does not always go straight to the answer. A lot of these were theoretical discussions, um, but he really sometimes wants to frame the issue conceptually. Um, and when it came to, um, w- to a man wearing a woman's clothes or doing a type of way of presenting himself as a woman would, he says the focus is on the end result, not on the process, and that led to certain conclusions. He had to play a little with the issue of looking into a mirror. Um, and when it comes to bearing arms, he could have, for a woman, he could have jumped to the idea of pikuach nefesh, um, but it, he actually explores this conceptual idea that bearing arms is a type of a something prohibited not because of aesthetic appearance, but because of projecting masculinity, that that won't always project masculinity in the future times, and that in sometimes it's not about that. When it's worn for self-protection, it's small arms, and even if it should be worn, that is enough to say that it is normal for women to wear it, appropriate for women to wear it, and not an issue of kligever. Again, absent from both all of these two votes is any discussion either of how societal context context can radically change these issues of dying care, plucking care, looking in a mirror, and so on. And certainly what's missing is any discussion of the transgender issue, something that only really started be- coming to the surface many, many years later. Thanks for listening to Igris Moshe A to Z with Rabbi Dov Linzer. This podcast is brought to you three times a week by Shivat Chovevei Torah. Don't forget to subscribe and check out ycTorah.org to learn more.